So this is Lesson 74 of Matthew. And we're in the garden with Yeshua on the night of his arrest. And I want to begin this by saying that we're going to look at Yeshua's intercession. And what he says to his disciples on the night he's arrested. And I'm of the opinion, and I'm sure that you are of the same opinion, that Yeshua's words are eternal. His instructions to his disciples in the gospel are not just for 12 men, but they're for all his disciples. A quick read of the book of Acts will tell you that all the followers of Yeshua were called disciples of the way. Not just the twelve, but everyone who put their trust in Yeshua were disciples, were students. We're disciples of Yeshua and his words to them are equally words to us. And with that in mind, let's begin our study and let's begin, I want to pray today. Father, I just want to pray that as we read these words of the master today, our teacher, let them etch our hearts and our minds, let them change the direction of our walks through life and help us to become disciples of you and of our master, the disciples that you desire. And with that, verse 36 of chapter 26 says, Then Yeshua went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so Yeshua and his disciples go to the Mount of Olives and Yeshua takes with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee. He says to them, watch with me. Yeshua invites his disciples to join in with him. He's burdened by what is about to happen. He's in intercession, as we're going to see, for those who will become his disciples. He's in prayer for strength for what's going to happen to him in the next few hours. And he says, keep watch. And the word for watch there means be alert. I put the word up here. It says to watch, to take heed lest through remission and indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtake one. Yeshua is in intercession, and I might imagine that he... Uh, that he is interceding as well as for the world, but he would also be asking for strength to carry out the Father's will. Think about it. He's about to be the one who will be a ransom for those who are condemned to death. And you don't have to come here too long to know that I don't beat around the bush about what I believe. I fully believe that Yeshua was at creation and that he is the true Son of God. I also believe that he's called Son only for our benefit. Because he's much more than our understanding of son. We can't really grasp the relationship of Yeshua and the Father. He was, he is, and he is at this very moment that we're reading one with the Father in a way that we really don't quite understand. And he's also at this very moment, all of those things, but he's also at that very moment a man with the same frailties that we have, the same flesh that we have to deal with. And because he's a man, 
The thought of what about is about to happen to him in the next 15 or so hours would be unbearable. No one can tell me that Yeshua wanted to suffer the way he did. No man in his right mind would want to suffer the way he did. And so I believe that at this moment he's mustering all the strength and the willpower that he has. And not only that, he's seeking the Father for the strength that he doesn't have. You see, if you want to see a crisis in someone's life, like we talked about earlier, Yeshua's in the middle of a crisis here. One that we will never have to go through. Nothing that will ever happen to us is going to compare to what Yeshua is going to go through in the next few hours. Completing what he has to do is made even harder. Think about it. It's made even harder because I also believe that at any time in the next 15 or so hours, he would have been able to stop the whole affair. Even on the stake, he could have summoned whatever he needed to come down off of the stake. And so the temptation not to go through what he's about to go through or stop what is happening to him at any time is more temptation than we can even imagine. A crisis in his life that we can't even comprehend. And so Yeshua is asking for strength to complete the will of the Father. He's able to do that because he reversed that decision at Sinai. He speaks to the Father. He has relationship with his God, with his Father. And he asks the disciples to join in with that prayer. He asks them to pray. And we know that because in just a few verses he will admonish the disciples by saying, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. He says, watch and pray lest through remission and indolence you have some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. The disciples are about, they don't realize it yet, but they're about to have a crisis in their lives as well. The problem is how they respond is not the same. This is the key to what else he's praying for that evening. He's praying that he does not fail, but his prayer is twofold. It's also for his disciples. Not only for his strength, but for their strength. Yeshua is about to suffer, but I don't think he's overjoyed, like I said before, that the time has come. I don't think he's overjoyed. He's troubled. As I said, no one in their right mind, think about it, would, if they knew they were going to go through, with some, through something like that, wouldn't be, would be overly joyed about it. Do you get what I mean? He's also in intercession for the disciples as they're about to have a calamity overtake them. He tells them to watch so that the calamity does not overtake them. They're all about to have what we shall say a faith crisis or a faith calamity And it's the result of not watching and praying and sleeping instead. And let me say something. We as believers in Yeshua in this country are just as sleepy. We have faith calamities come upon us all the time and they come upon us because we do not watch and pray. We like the disciples are quite sleepy 
They because of the food they ate that night and we because of the affluence of our lives, I think. And we saw this recently as the laws for marriage were changed. A concerted effort, a determined effort by a few people was enough to overcome the sleepy multitude. The whole mess was a faith crisis for the people of God. Think about it. We read Torah every week. The Torah of Moses was given about 20, in about the year 2500 from creation. And the people of God followed that specific instruction for nearly, well, now it's 6,000 years from creation. So that's 3,500 years. And then the people of God in Minnesota ceased to follow that instruction and allowed what God calls an abomination in our state. Now that's what I call a faith calamity. Anyway, I want you to note that Yeshua says to his disciples, watch and pray. In other words, keep vigilant. When you see a crisis coming for your sake, pray. For God's sake, pray. Now Peter later will give similar advice in his letter. Peter, having been in the garden and witnessed the rest of this evening and the er into the early morning hours and his failure knows full well what a faith crisis can do to your walk. He witnessed and knows just how not being watchful and prayerful will cause you to fail in this life. And so what does he say to his disciples, to the people he's teaching, to the people he's writing this letter to? He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, 6, and 8, Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that, ye may lift up you, that he may lift up you in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are going through the same kind of sufferings. Peter uses the exact same word here, only we translate it a little differently. It's keep watch in Matthew. Here it's be alert. But it's the same word. And Shaul uses it, the same advice in Ephesians. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. And so the word used by the disciples in Yeshua is the same and it's to show the importance of prayer and being watchful. The other place it's used is Revelation. The other place it's used that really struck me anyway. In chapter 16, verse 15, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and shamefully exposed. It's the same word there, stays awake. Folks, there's a prayer crisis in the church today. There's an intercession crisis in the church today. If there weren't, we wouldn't be losing the battles we're losing. A few years ago, I went to a rabbi's conference and I heard um, David Chernoff, as a matter of fact. I heard him 
say some interesting statistics. The average pastor prays five minutes a day. They polled pastors in the church. Five minutes a day. That's about enough time to get off a quick, now I lay me down to sleep. Which is what the church is doing. Sleeping. And that's exactly where the church is. We're like Israel through their history. We think pastors are talking to God for us. We're allowing them to be our spiritual conduit. And they're not doing it. They're not praying. They're sleeping. We are not watching. We're not praying. But we, like the disciples, are sleeping. We need to be a people of prayer because God is still saying, if you'll hear my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests. And Yeshua is still saying, can't you keep watch with me one hour? You know, I've taught many times on prayer and intercession in the prayer and intercession class. There's something about the time between 45 minutes and one hour that prayer breakthroughs happen. Hey, and I'm talking about one person in one session, not 12 pastors in five minutes each. (laughs) And so Yeshua is also offering up intercession for the disciples. We know this because he says to this in, in verse 40, Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Could you not watch with me one hour? He's praying for strength that he does not fail. He's in prayer in part for his disciples that they don't fail. And he's praying for his disciples. Hebrews Hebrews tells us this, chapter 5 and verse 6 and 8. It says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Yeshua's life, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He offered up prayers to the one who could save him from death and he was heard? Well, he died. He suffered death. How was he heard? He was heard as he asked for the strength to complete his task. Not just for himself does he ask. We spoke last time how Yeshua is entering into his ministry as priest. Well, here it is again this week. As a Levitical priest offers up prayers for the people of Israel each and every Yom Kippur and then offers atonement, For the sins of the people, Yeshua, the priest in the order of Melchizedek, is offering up prayers for his disciples, and then he's going to offer up an atonement for their sins and for the sins of the whole world. But not just that, Yeshua is asking his disciples to join in with him with that prayer. He knows that they too, as Peter will later tell us, soon become priests in that same order of Melchizedek. And as priests, we are to be people who minister to others, minister to God. And in order to do that, we have to be people who, when they go into their prayer closet, sit there until they hear from God to know how to minister. How can you minister to God or minister for God if you don't talk to God? And I'm not speaking about the Amidah. I love the Amidah, but I'm speaking about relationship with God. 
listening to his problems and pouring out yours. Because he's got a lot of problems in this world. It's called the people of the world. And they need prayer. You, can, you can't minister for, to God or for God or to God unless you can hear from God. I want you to notice something else. That Yeshua asks God, but the Father was silent. Or at least we don't hear everything the Father said. But when he asked some specific questions, he's silent. Even though Yeshua had relationship. The point being, as a priest in service of God, you stay in prayer until you get the answer. And I'll show you how Yeshua got the answer in a moment. But Yeshua uses this whole event. Yeshua and the Father uses this whole event. In Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke, all record this event to show one thing. To show us that as disciples, we're weak in the flesh. We don't pray. If you believe, as I do, that Yeshua was fully man and suffered as we suffer, was tempted as we are tempted, then you have to realize that he was successful in the crisis that came upon him because he prayed. And the disciples failed in their faith crisis because they didn't. They slept. Now we're going to get the actual words of the prayer. In verse 39, it says, Going a little farther, he fell face down to the ground and prayed, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Each of the synoptic gospel writers record this prayer, and the first thing that you're struck with, at least the first thing that I was struck with, is if they're all sleeping, how are they able to recount this prayer? Right? Right? Well, we don't know for sure. Perhaps Yeshua related his words to them after after the resurrection. Perhaps the Holy Spirit quickened it to all or one of them and then the one related it to the others. But one thing we know for sure, it's important enough that it's included in three of the Gospels. And so I think that we need to spend some time on this prayer. One thing that strikes you about this prayer, the other thing that strikes me about this prayer, is it's exactly how he told his disciples to pray. When they ask the Lord, teach us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he tells them, pray our Father, and here he prays my Father. He tells his disciples, your will, pray your will be done. And he prays, not my will, but your will. And then he tells them, lead them, pray, lead us not into temptation. And later his plea to his disciples is pray that you don't fall into temptation. And so Yeshua is very much following his own recipe for prayer. But the next thing you have to come to grips with, and for me this is the most important thing to come to grips with. He says, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. First, as I said earlier, it points to Yeshua's humanity. He knows what he's going to suffer. He doesn't want to suffer this. Nobody in their right mind would want to suffer this. He says, if it's possible, take this cup. Is there any other way to accomplish this cup of redemption for the world? And the answer? There is no answer. 
silence. I can tell you that when you get no answer to a prayer in intercession, the answer is usually you already have the answer. If you have a relationship with the Father that is such that you speak with Him daily and He speaks for you, the kind of relationship that Yeshua has, and there is no answer, it means you probably already answered the question yourself. And in this case, the answer is no. The point is, Yeshua has the answer. You know, when we moved back here, I started attending a local Messianic synagogue. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed because it was so much different than the one I came out of. I prayed, Father, tell me what to do. I'll move anywhere. You just tell me where. Show me a congregation anywhere in the country where your word is taught and where the truth is spoken. I'll move there. I still have my stuff packed. Most of it. I'll move there today. I'll take my books and all my stuff. I'll go up north and find myself a cabin and I'll sit there and study and pray. Just give me the answer for what and where you would have me go and do. And guess what? No answer. (laughs) And by that I knew I was to go nowhere. The whole point being, when there is no answer, you probably already have the answer. And God doesn't want to be redundant. You see, for Yeshua, there is no other way. And so what Yeshua is saying for our benefit is that there is no other way for the Lord to redeem man. And that's why I don't understand how people can leave the faith for modern day Judaism. And I don't care how observant they are. After reading this prayer, how can you leave the faith in Yeshua for modern day Judaism? He's saying that he and the Father, hey, we've given them the Torah. When I say them, I'm speaking to man. They didn't follow it. In fact, they perverted it. They corrupted it. We've given them and made covenant with them. They broke it time and time again. We've given them the temple and the worship, an exact copy of what's in heaven. They corrupted it and made it a den of thieves. We've given them the prophets and men to speak to them and they killed them. All these things we've given them. And it wasn't enough. Is there nothing we can do to redeem man? And the answer is, is there any other way? And the answer is, no. Israel being a light to the world was not enough. We've spoken before about how evangelistic they were at this time in the first century. But trying to win people to their version of Torah wasn't good enough. I can tell you this, trying to lead people to any version of walking out the Torah would not be good enough for entrance into the kingdom because as Shaul will later tell us, it's not the reason the Torah was given. The Torah was given to make you aware of sin than that you needed atonement for that sin. It was given to make man aware that he needed atonement, not supply it. And so Yeshua says, Father, if there's any way to avoid this day, this cup of redemption, let it pass. But there's no other way. After having given all these things, and after the fathers of Judaism embellished Torah so there would be much less of a chance for any failure, It was not enough. 
No matter how well men implement it, it would never be enough. And so what is being said, there is no other way for Yeshua and the Father to redeem man because if there would have been another way, they would have done it. So the next time someone tells you that being part of Israel or that keeping Torah or anything else is enough to restore you into the presence of God, you say, sorry, no. Because if the cup could have been taken from Yeshua, then the rest of the book of Matthew from chapter 25 on would not be there. We wouldn't be doing commentary on Matthew today. We'd be moving on to Romans or something. Yeshua's death would have never happened if there had been any other way. But the answer is silence. Verse 40 says, Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. How could there be another way? Think about it. We got 12 here who are going to take the good news out to the world. 12 who will take the good news that the redemption of man has been accomplished, the restoration of man into the presence of God has been accomplished, into relationship with God has been accomplished. These 12 are pillars of our faith, the 12 who will judge the rest of the house of Israel when the kingdom returns. And yet, without a life change that comes through the redemptive work that Yeshua is about to accomplish, they couldn't watch and pray for one hour. They couldn't keep themselves from the destructive calamity that was about to overtake them without the very good news they will preach. They sleep because they didn't have relationship. It all goes back to that one bad decision. And really there's nothing new under the sun because the average person who takes advantage of the redemptive work of Yeshua today doesn't pray one hour either. Might pray an hour in a month. Notice that he again says, he prays, not my will, but yours be done. And there's no answer recorded. And so he, we read in verse 43, when he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away at once and prayed a third time the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Three times the same thing. Three times the disciples sleep. Do you see something here? Whenever you see something three times in Scripture, you better, your eyes and ears better perk up because it's something that's firmly established. And what's established is the redemption of man could not be accomplished any other way. You have to, you know, when you look at the disciples, you have, to, you have to wonder what's going through these disciples' minds, right? Yeshua's told them over and over that he's going to die. Just a few hours ago, he told them that the hour had come. He told them just a few hours ago that Judas will betray him into the hands of men. This very night. He's told them to keep watch that they don't fall into temptation. And what are they doing? Sleeping. 
It's like there's a disconnect, isn't there? It's like there's something's disconnected here. There's something here that does not compute for these men. Well, they didn't have computers back then. So that's, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. <laughs> but with all of this direct warning, they still fall into temptation. And I hate to harp on this, but it seems someone has to harp because mere words aren't changing a thing. So I say, what about us? There's a disconnect with us as well. We read these things, these lessons God has given us in the scripture. They don't touch us. Think of how much more we need to watch and pray. We need to keep watch and pray because we have this weakness. We have this flesh and it lulls us to sleep. We allow the things of this world to wear us out. And we need to be ever diligent. These words of Yeshua, that the words that he's seen recorded for these men, these many times are for us as well. We need to make a correct decision and change the decision that was made at Mount Sinai and say, Lord, I want to know you, not about you, but I want to know you. I want to hear you. I want to obey you. I want to be one of your kingdom of priests. The synoptic gospels are all pretty much the same in recounting Yeshua's time in the garden and the agony that he suffers. But in John, we get a much more complete prayer recorded for us. John's prayer shows the priestly ministry of Yeshua a little, that Yeshua's entering into a little more. I want to read just a few verses from it, not the whole thing. I encourage you to read the whole thing. But verses 1 through 5 say, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Yeshua the Messiah who you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, if you take these words of John to be faithful to the words of Yeshua and prayer, then you have to come to the conclusion that Yeshua was with the Father at creation. And not just that, though. It says, with the glory I had with you before the world began. Part of the glory of what Yeshua is is that he is high priest in the order of Melchizedek. That tells me that the Melchizedek in the story of Abraham is the same Melchizedek we see here in Yeshua. The tabernacle that Moses saw and patterned the earthly tabernacle after had a high priest. And that high priest was and still is Yeshua. It's he who paid the redemption price for you. He's our kinsman redeemer. It's he who paid the ransom for your soul. The soul of all who will turn to him. It is he who came and made a way for the terrible decision that was made at Sinai to be reversed. And give us a new covenant where all will know the Lord from the least to the greatest. 
Not know about him, but all will know him. And so John shows us in this prayer, listen to what else he says. Holy Father, protect them, speaking of the disciples. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of this world anymore than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth of your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Where the disciples could not pray, their high priest prays for them. What they could not do for themselves... Their high priest did an intercession for them and did it and, and also on the stake. Our high priest knew the shortcomings of the disciples and was, he wasn't limited to the 12. Listen to what he says in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, he intercedes for you and for me that we might be one as he and the Father are one. Now we read that and we insert our definition of one. But that's not what is meant. Because if we understood one as Yeshua means one, we would be more like the first century Kehillah working together, seeking that all remain together to the point of even selling all that we have, giving to equality, that there be no division. There would be no division in our congregation because we're one. How can you divide one? You only have a half. There would be no evil speech. The problem is we insert our definition of one. Hey, yeah, and we're one with the whole community until something happens we don't agree with and then we're two again. Amen? And notice else he says, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. May they be in us, Father. May they have relationship with us. Be one with us. Yeshua the prophet, like Moses, made a way for that decision at Sinai to be reversed. Hey, all we have to do is say yes, Father. I want to hear. Now listen to, the, to, to verse 20 through 23. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so he says, I in them and you in me. You see, there's a way that has been made to reverse that decision 
And so will you watch and pray for one hour of this day? Less through remission and indolence. You have destructive, some destructive calamity come upon you. August 8th begins the month of Elul. It's Elul 1. The season of Teshuvah, the season of return, return to God before the judgments of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur begin. And so this year, judge correctly so that you'll not be judged. Make this the year that you correct that judgment that was made at Sinai. Make this the year that you return to God. Make this the year that your relationship begins or begins anew. Now, I listened to the message this morning from last week. And I want you to know that you can teach your children, but you can't introduce your children to who you don't know yourself. You can't teach them what you don't know yourself. You can't introduce them to someone you don't know. And so let's spend this year coming to know God. Let's say, Yeshua, yes, I can watch and pray for you one hour. Can I join in your burden for the lost of the world? Amen.